Over the last number of weeks, we've been talking about discipleship, uh, our little by little journey of discipleship and, and being apprentices to the ways of Jesus, learning his ways. You know, as, as Christians, when we accept Jesus in a moment, our, our lives are transformed. Our sins are forgiven. When you have faith in Jesus and you give your life to him in, in a moment, your, your sins are forgiven. It's not on a time delay. No, in a moment, you're born again. You're made into a new person. The Holy Spirit takes residence in your heart in a moment. There's lots of things that happen for us as Christians instantly in a moment. But there's also a multitude of things that happen little by little. It's a journey, right? Little by little, I learned the ways of Jesus. I learned to live as a Christian. I learned to read my Bible. I learned what it means to pray, what it, how, to, how to worship, how to do all that kind of stuff. Uh, and often we want things now and we neglect the fact that there is a journey ahead, right? And we get impatient. It's like my, my kids. I've just learned with my kids. I've got five-year-old, three-year-old, and an eight-month-old. But the, the two boys, five and three, I've just, this is a bit of a parent hack for all of you parents out there. Don't tell your kids the afternoon plans in the morning. Just let it all be a surprise because the worst thing you can say to a five-year-old is, hey, at three o'clock this afternoon or four o'clock this afternoon, we're going to go to the field. We're going to kick the footy because guess what happens at like 9.15? He's dressed and ready to go and say, are we ready to go, dad? Come on, can we go now, now, now? And you're going to endure a whole day of questions. Now, 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 now. And of course, of course we tell our kids the plans, but you know, it's just one of those things. Kids are a lot like us. We want things now, now, right now, now, now. But not everything in the kingdom of heaven is right now. There's a lot of things that are, but many things are a journey. They're a step-by-step, little-by-little journey. Even look at our church plant. Man, I wish our church plant was now. In some ways, I'm like Elliot at 9.30 in the morning saying, Lord, go on, let, let our churches continue to grow. But you know, in truth, our church plant is a glorious, amazing little-by-little little journey. New person by new person, coffee by coffee, uh, prayer by prayer, service by service, team by team. We're on a little-by-little little journey in church planning, just like we're on a little by little journey in discipleship. And we started this whole series by talking from Matthew 16, where Jesus says to his disciples, hey, you must give up your way, give up your life and take up your cross. And we talked about what a God submitted life looks like to take up our cross and come under Jesus's authority. What that looks like. If, if I submit my life to him, my it'll show in these four areas in my time with my tongue, they all start with T, my time, with my tongue, my words, with my treasure, what I do with the things that are valuable, with what I do with my money, uh, and my thoughts, my thought life. And if you missed any of the last three parts of this series, I really encourage you to check our podcast because they're foundational. Each week kind of builds off this week. You can still stick around today, of course, but make sure you catch all of those, okay? So last week, we started really taking the turn to talk about people and how we disciple each other. Oh boy, you know, you could say we're talking about a fifth T. And this is my buddy Mick in our church gave me this fifth T, but we're talking about our table and who sits with us, who we do life with, who we listen to, who imparts into our life. And although we follow Jesus, of course, he's our focus. He, he's, our, he's our Lord. He's our Savior. Uh, it actually takes place in a context. And that context is the, the family of faith. People play a huge role in my following of Jesus, my 
discipleship toward Jesus. In many ways, God, it's like he subcontracts our apprenticeship to him through people, through people. And God makes use of the people around me to help achieve his purposes within me. And the people I do life with frame my future. We can get a picture frame up again. Oh, here we go. Look at me looking royal. Uh, you know, who, who is framing your future today? Who is framing your character, your attitude? People frame your future. And we started with this acronym of FRAME, F-R-A-M-E. And we, we're, we're asking these questions. What do we find when we pursue discipleship together, following Jesus together? What should you be looking for in someone who wants to, as someone who wants to be discipled? Who is framing your walk with Jesus? And our first two letters from last week are F and R. We, we, we find fellowship. Discipleship takes place in proximity. And it's who I do the journey with. I know fellowship's a bit of an old churchy word, but you, you can't follow Jesus alone. It's one of the things we get really out of balance in modern Christianity is this over-individualization. It's just me and the Lord, just me and him. And yes, he, he, he loves you and, and knowing him personally is, is amazing, but there are people involved that we have fellowship with others and it's amazing. And R is resource. Mentors and faith friends, they add good godly resource to my life. They add value to us, whether it's books or prayer or Bible verses or or advice or help and wisdom. They add value to my life. They add resource to my following of Jesus. Don't be too fearful or prideful to ask for help or to ask why. And here's the thing about resources. Good resources are drawn out. They're not just handed out. Okay? Nothing that great comes for free. You know, we, 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 we want to, you know, those books they just hand out for, oh, here, have a free book. You know it's going to be a boring book, right? The good books, they cost something, right? And you got to draw out good resources. Amen? So don't let your independence rob you from the rich resources that God will provide to you via the people around you. Come on. Who has God brought into your life? in this season for fellowship, for resource. I hope you're finding that in everyone church as you've been part of our church, whether you're in a connect group or our Sunday services, that you're finding fellowship and resource. We're talking about how discipleship looks practically. We're trying to be real practical here, okay? So let's get right back into it. Let's talk about the next benefit of discipleship relationships, and that is A, accountability. Oof, this is a tough one. Accountability. Mentors and faith friends are great accountability. You know, in order for a GPS to find you, uh, it actually has to ping with four different satellites, which I think is really interesting. And I think it's a lot like us as people. We all need multiple people in our lives to help locate us, to help us find where we're at on our journey. And it's with the help of others that we find perspective. We find pace. We find a calling upward in Christ. We all need accountability. We should welcome it. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 to 3 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens 
and in the same way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I love those words, gently and humbly help people get back on the right track. And we all need help from time to time to stay on track. And accountability is really about serving another, not controlling or, or, or managing or, or punishing. No, it's about serving another, helping each other stay on track because we need it. Who in your life are you accountable to? Who calls you when you haven't been around for very long? Who asks you how you're going, how you're really going? I hope and pray that our church is a church that is not easy for people to go missing in. You know, great discipleship relationships bring accountability into our life. We need each other's accountability because we all lack motivation from time to time, because we all find ourselves discouraged or distracted. And we all need someone that says, hey, come on, let's get back on track. We're on a journey. I'm framing your future here. We're on a journey of following Jesus together. Amen. Amen. We all need pace setters. You know, Roger Bannister, in 1954, he was the first man to run a mile in under four minutes. What was previously thought to be humanly impossible, he did it in three minutes, 59.4 seconds. But what people often don't know about Roger Bannister is he had help from two other runners named Chris Brasher and Chris Chataway. And their role was to be pace setters. Pace setters. You know, Bannister had to run four laps in under four minutes. That's a, that's, a, that's a fast pace, right? And for the first two, he would follow Chris Brasher, yelling faster as Brasher got to the right pace. And then for the third lap, Chris Chataway would take the lead. And then, he, he, and then as we got to the last lap, Bannister would make his move and burst ahead and finish the race. And I think this is such a great picture of accountability and discipleship. We all have pace setters that God has brought into our lives. They push us forward. They lead the way. They spearhead our future. They frame our future, regardless of where you are at on your journey of following Jesus. Maybe you're on your first lap. Maybe you're on your second lap. Maybe you're on your third or fourth lap. Look for a pace setter. Look for someone who is setting the pace for you, helping you stay accountable, helping you move forward. I have multiple friends who are pace setters in my life. They, they pray better than me. Man, they, they, they preach better than me. They inspire me to move forward. Even in, I think about my buddy Dave, he's super healthy, mate, just running. They just, he, he's, a, he's a health nut, right? He's setting a pace for me. Accountability helps keep the pace. Who in your life are you accountable, accountable to? Who, who asks you how your Bible reading is going? How your prayer life is going? Who asks you how you're doing? Who helps you keep pace? One of my favorite Bible verses in, is in Hebrews 12, 1, which I think it's only fitting that we read it today. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. 
Come on, Roger Bannister. Let's run our four-minute mile. Let's run and chase Jesus. Accountability helps me run my race. Be wise with who you are accountable to because they will inevitably frame your future. So what do we find when we pursue discipleship together? What should we be looking for as someone who wants to be discipled? Well, we find fellowship. We find resource. We find accountability. And the fourth benefit we find is mission. M, mission. Mentors and faith friends will always help keep you on mission for Jesus. Come on. And not only do we have a shared mission as the as all Christians, of course, to bring Jesus to everyone, everywhere. But I believe each of us have an individual unique mission, a unique calling that God has purposed us for. And you have a, a unique purpose for your life. You might not believe that today, but there are people who are going to help you discover that purpose. And great discipleship relationships help keep you on the shared mission and also on your unique mission for God. For me, I know that Part of my unique mission, and Maria's as well, is to be church planting pastors. And also, I'm a dad. And I'm a regular guy too who likes playing Fortnite and watching hockey and all that kind of stuff. And I'm grateful for the relationships in my life that encourage me on the big mission of following. This is why I love being part of missions with Imaginations Church, because it keeps a sense of big focus that, hey, the church is not just us, it's not just us, but we're, we're staying focused with our uh, on the big mission, but also we have relationships in our life that keep us focused on our personal mission. What mission has God asked you to fulfill in this season of your life? Does anybody know about it? Do you have people in your life that God is using to keep you on mission? Discipleship is really preparing us for the mission that God has called us to. And one of our core values at Everyone Church is to live mission-minded. And we set this as a core value, not only because it's important and it's biblical and Jesus told us to do it, but also because we all get off mission from time to time. We want to keep it at the forefront, living mission-minded. And good mentors, good faith friends, good discipleship relationships help us on stay on mission for Jesus. Not just on their mission, or someone else's mission, or even our selfish dream, no, but on his mission for my life. His mission. I'm so grateful for people in my life who have kept me on the mission for God. When I may have been distracted and looking over here, oh, maybe I might do that. No, no. God has called you forward on your mission. You know, the Apostle Paul is a great example of this. We knew um, that he had a unique calling to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, and spearheading the gospel, spreading throughout Asia Minor and stuff. And he had multiple people help him on his journey. And we read that in the book of Acts and also through his his writings and his, his writings to various churches. But, you know, even when he was converted in Acts chapter 9, we read about this guy named Ananias, who the Lord speaks to and encourages to help Saul, who would later become Paul, on his journey. And Ananias finds Paul and prays for him and sends him on his way in his mission uh, toward the Gentiles. And later, Paul mentions in Galatians his fellowship with some of the key church leaders of his day, leaders who no doubt had were, were instrumental in his discipleship journey for sure. But he, he records in Galatians chapter 2, verse 9. Let's read what he says. He says, In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, 
recognized the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. I love that. I love that, that they recognized his gift. Isn't that amazing? They recognized his gift and they sent him forward in his mission, on his mission. Man, who is sending you forward on your mission? Who has recognized your gift and your callings? You know, you might say, oh, no no one recognizes my gift. No one knows it. Well, you need to get in fellowship with people. You need to share, draw resources out of, uh, you need to stay accountable. And you you will find people will send you on, God will bring the right people in your life to send you forward on your mission. Amen. There's great benefit in being together. We're talking about being in discipleship together. I think about my good friend, one of my best friends, Pastor Troy Davis up in Darwin. Troy, TD. He came and preached in our church earlier this year. And Troy has been so instrumental in my life and Maria's life as well, but particularly my life in sending me on mission. In fact, last week I mentioned about my first ever connect group, my first ever lunch group I went to in high school, church on Wednesday, Cal. Pretty epic, right? And you know who ran Cal? Pastor Troy Davis. He ran it. He he invited me and he asked me, hey, Simon, would you like to worship me? Troy didn't know when he said to me, hey, would you like to lead a song? I didn't know what that was. I'm thinking, gosh, all I had was a nylon acoustic guitar, like a hundred dollar one. I barely could play. I was just learning. And he said to me, hey, Simon, would you like to come and here's a person who recognized a gift and a calling on my life. He didn't know that later on I'd go on to be a worship pastor planning a church. And, and he encourages me. Even to this day, we talk at least weekly. We phone, we talk hockey, we talk life, but we encourage each other on our journey. You know, Zion Church up in Darwin is building a brand new, amazing building. If you're ever up there, make sure you go visit them. And, and a great discipleship friend who helps me keep on mission. Or anything about my pastors, Pastor Jack and Carol. Man, every time I meet with Pastor Jack, he just encourages me on my mission. You're you're planning a church. You're pastoring. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. We all need people like that. Who is keeping you on mission? Which brings me to the, the last letter of our FRAME acronym, and that is E for encouragement. Encouragement. In fact, I would say that this quality undergirds every other one of these ones in in our F-R-A-M-E series, encouragement. We just read these examples in in Acts of Paul being encouraged in our discipleship culture. It's almost like the, the vibe of our discipleship journey needs to be that of encouragement. Not correction and control. No, encouragement, pressing. Who's encouraging you? Who's building you up? Who has God brought into your life to spur you on? To spur you on forward? To say, hey, come on, let's keep going. Let's encourage one another. We were just talking about the Apostle Paul and, and a bit of his journey. Well, it's a very, very interesting example how Paul had Timothy that he encouraged. And the Apostle Paul referred to Timothy as his true son in the faith, as his fellow soldier, as his brother. He even called him my fellow slave, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And in, in 1 and 2 Timothy, which are very amazing, intimate letters that he wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy, it's filled with encouragement. Encouragement. Like this in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, Love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight. 
for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. You, Timothy, are a man. I I pray that God would use multiple people in your life to, to remind you that you're a man of God. You're a woman of God. You're called to a higher calling. Amen. Or this in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan in the flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Come on, we all need people who speak life into us and encourage us. Who is encouraging you? Who is building you up? Who has God brought into your life to spur you on? Come on, it's worth noting that the Apostle Paul encourages Timothy in his godly calling, in his mission. Sometimes we can just be longing for someone to encourage us in our own selfish interests, but discipleship isn't about cheerleading. It's not going, go, go, ruin your life, woohoo. No, it's about someone encouraging us towards the things of God. My role as a mentor and a disciple, discipler is to encourage you toward Jesus. I'm not here to encourage you towards oblivion and self-focus. No, I'm here to encourage you to follow Jesus. Amen? And this is why church and friends in the faith are so important. Faith friendships are purpose partnerships. And that purpose is following Jesus. Who is encouraging you today? Who's building you up? Be mindful of who is encouraging you and what they are encouraging you to do. Because they will inevitably frame your future. So, F-R-A-M-E, frame. What do we find when we pursue discipleship together? What should we be looking for as people who want to be discipled? Well, these benefits. We find fellowship, resource, accountability, mission, and encouragement. Now, let's just take a moment before we close and reverse this because we've been talking about being a disciple and truly following Jesus, being apprentices to Jesus and submitting our lives to God and how we sh- that should be evident with our time, our use of time, with our tongue, our words, with our treasure, with how we use money and things that are valuable to us, with our thought life. And we talked about how God uses people to help us on this journey and they frame our future with fellowship, resource, accountability, mission, and encouragement. So where do we go from here? Well, in Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, not just anybody, he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, let's just take a moment and reverse all of this, especially if you consider yourself to be a real follower of Jesus, whether you're on your first lap or your fourth lap. If you're, if you're a real follower of Jesus, what would God call you to do in this moment? Who would God call you to help with fellowship, with resource, with accountability, calling someone say, hey, where you been, man? Missed you. With mission, hey, come on, let's pursue God together. With encouragement, you're doing awesome. I'm encouraging you. 
And the pinnacle of Christian maturity, please hear this today. Oh my goodness, if you could hear anything today. The pinnacle of Christian maturity is a willingness to serve others. It's not mature to say, oh, I know so much, I'm puffed up with knowledge. I know so much about, I'm so mature in God and you're just so selfish. No, we are called to lay our life down. That's what Jesus did. He washed his disciples' feet. He laid his life. He, he set an example of servanthood, of giving his life up. And I want to encourage you today. Are you making disciples? Are you pouring yourself out for others? For Jesus' last command. Or maybe you're with our service today and you aren't following Jesus at all. You would say, hey man, you know what? I'm not, I'm not following Jesus. Well, I want to pray a prayer with you. And this is a prayer of commitment to give your life to him. And you can start that journey and you watch how God will bring people into your life to help frame your future as you follow Jesus. So if you want to follow him today, I want you to pray this prayer to him as I pray. The words will be on the screen. Dear Jesus, I pray to you today and I ask you to forgive my sin. I give my heart to you. I believe in you. I believe you came and that you gave your life on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again. And today I receive by faith your forgiveness and friendship. I thank you that I will enter heaven one day to be with you forever. Help me on this journey of following you. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope this has been helpful to you. And if you prayed that prayer, let us know. Come and visit us at church uh, in person. Come. We'd love to get you to come to a connect group. We'd love to be in fellowship with you. We'd love to resource you, help you on your mission of following Jesus. Amen. I hope this has been helpful and practical for you, particularly if you're part of Everyone Church. We want to be people who are framing each other's futures and helping each other follow Jesus in discipleship. Amen. We're looking forward to being in the room together in person over the next few months. Come on, press in. Let's, let's get in the same ship together. Let's be in fellowship together and let's follow Jesus till kingdom come. Amen. See you next week. Love me the way